0: church. Tonight is episode 2 of our brand new summer series going through the book of Romans, the gospel letter. And I want to address the title one more time. We did not misspell Romans, and we didn't just write it this way because it looks really cool, which it does. But we spelled it this way because this is how the Latin translation in the Vulgate, one of the very first translations of the New Testament and of the Bible how the book of Romans is spelled, Romanus. And we wanted to to spell it that way and have that kind of signify our series because our desire this summer for 14 weeks is that we would dive into God's Word, that we would go back. We would see the truth that is found within each word and each chapter, that we would exegete it together as a church to see how this letter might transform us. As it has transformed the lives of so many people over the course of history, in fact, it has transformed the world. And last week, we started with the first half of Romans chapter 1, and we saw that the gospel is a person, not a concept, and that the gospel message of Jesus Christ is dynamite. It blows up every lie and division and category. It is the power of God. And when you walk away from the first half of Romans chapter 1, there is a question that may be lingering in your mind, in your head as a reader of this gospel letter. And that is, I see that the gospel is power, that it is dynamite. I see that the gospel message shaped the Apostle Paul's life, transformed him, but why is the gospel? Necessary. And that's what we're going to discover tonight. So, when Romans chapter 1, the second half, verse 18 through 25. So, if you have your Bible at home, you could open to Romans chapter 1, verse 18 through 25. You could always read on the screen as well. We're going to be reading from the English Standard Version. So, let's read God's Word together. It says this For the wrath of God is revealed. among themselves because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator who was blessed forever. Amen. So why is the gospel necessary? The Apostle Paul says in verse 18, for the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness. The gospel power of God, the dynamite of God, is necessary because the wrath of God is going to be poured out on the unrighteous and ungodly. Now, this is not something that we like to speak about. We don't like to think about it. It's not a common conversation in our day and age, which is the wrath of God. But see, the gospel message is necessary not because it makes you happy It's not necessary because it creates a nice moral foundation for you to stand upon so that you might succeed in life. It's not necessary because it gives your children a proper framework where hopefully they'll make better choices. The gospel is not good advice. It's good news. It's good news that you are saved from the wrath of God. It's why it's necessary. Because the gospel message, the good news of Jesus saves you from the wrath of God. So, what is the wrath of God? What is it? We're going to explore a dimension of that tonight in the sermon entitled, How Low Have We Gone? How Low Have We Gone? You see, wrath can be difficult for us to understand difficult for us to comprehend. God's wrath poured out on us, on the unrighteous, and the ungodly. Because as the, the Russian philosopher Solzhenitsyn says, the dividing line, the line dividing good and evil cuts through the center of every human heart. The line dividing good and evil cuts through the center of every human heart. Meaning, Every human being is this mixture of good and evil. There's a dividing line in our heart between good and evil. So the question is then, what compels the wrath of God? The Apostle Paul says, the wrath of God is compelled to be poured out, to be revealed to those who are unrighteous, ungodly. The short answer is what compels the wrath of God is evil. The evil within our heart as human beings as we are this mixture of good and evil. Another way of saying that oftentimes written in Scripture and maybe you've heard before, the wrath of God is poured out because of sin. Because of a rebellion against God's law and who God is. That's a simple answer. But I think it's unhelpful. Because especially the word sin we are so desensitized to. You hear the word sin, and it, I would imagine you feel almost no emotional response. You've probably heard it thousands upon thousands of times in your life. Sin is bad choices. And you make bad choices, and I make bad choices, and bad things happen as a result of sin. I sin, you sin, everyone sins, our world is a product of sin. We hear the word all the time. I read a book that tried to redefine sin because of the the fact that we're desensitized to it. And it says that sin would better be described as the human propensity to mess things up. That's better, I think, which is true. That mixture of good and evil, we have a propensity to mess things up. But we have to go deeper because we are desensitized to that. Why is God's wrath revealed and poured out Upon evil and sin. What is it that compels the wrath of God? Thankfully, the Apostle Paul doesn't settle for a simple answer. He dives deep into the human heart. And tonight we're going to see two things that, are ex- that he exposes here in the second half of Romans chapter 1. That is true of every human heart. That is within your heart, within my heart, and every other human heart. So he begins with the first, and that is that we as human beings are people that suppress the truth. We suppress the truth. Look at verse 18 through 20. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. For what can be known about God is plain to them because God has shown it to them. For His invisible attributes, namely, His eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made so they are without excuse. Deep down, within every human heart, is the knowledge of who God is. The truth of who God is. The reality of a creator. And yet the Apostle Paul says, what the human heart's tendency to do is to suppress that truth. To push it down, to hide it away, to not accept that reality. That is why we are without excuse. Now that also reveals something about us as human beings, which is that we have a great deal of understanding around truth. There is truth within each one of us. It's just suppressed. I have an example to kind of help you think through that, and that's with this light bulb. So if you imagine that the light bulb is the truth within your heart, it's completely revealed the light is pushing out the darkness it's bright but our tendency as human beings is to suppress it is to push it down is to cover it where while it's covered it's suppressed you don't see the complete light it's not fully illuminated but there are still there's still an element of light coming forth even though it's suppressed there is truth That is coming forth. There are beams of light that's being influenced. It's not the complete light. It's not the complete truth. Rather, it is suppressed. Covered. Pushed down. But there's still truth within each and every human heart that is perceived. But not completely. Because it is in fact suppressed. Some examples of that. One example would be the fact that every religion in the world has similar building blocks. Maybe you've asked yourself that question before. How come every religion in the world seems to share all the same building blocks, which is the importance of worship, connection to the divine, praise of the divine, the importance of community, that we as People are meant to be together. We're meant to connect with one another. In fact, there's an increased connection to the divine when you're with a community. And also a moral law or a standard or pathway by which you must follow and surrender to. Every religion has these building blocks within them. Why? Because though within every human heart is truth. When it's suppressed, when it's covered, there is still truth that is perceived, but it's not complete. It's pushed down. It's distorted. As we see in all of the other faiths that have elements and aspects of truth, but distorted. I oftentimes think about many many of those in the scientific community after the discovery of the Big Bang, that there's a point of singularity, there's a beginning, that everything came from nothing, and that rocked the scientific community because there was questions that had to be answered. How does something come from nothing? Science can't answer those questions, and so those in the scientific community try to wrestle with that idea and instead of recognizing which the apostle paul says is deep down with every inside every human heart that there is a creator and his invisible qualities and power is known instead of taking the shirt off and allowing that light to shine in there's a suppression of the truth so there's an attempt to figure out a possible multiverse theory that could explain the creation of our universe even many suggest That there's an intelligent alien species that created us. To believe that rather than the creator himself. We are people that suppress the truth that is within every human heart. And this is a grave offense. The suppression of the truth. It's part of what compels God's wrath but it says in verse 21, for although they knew God, they did not honor Him as God or give thanks to Him, but they became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened. See, this suppression of the truth leads to futile thinking and a darkening of your heart. The truth is not exposed. It is not illuminating the lies. Your heart becomes darkened your thinking becomes futile. And it says here that what is offensive to God is that although they knew God because they suppressed the truth, what happens? They did not honor him as God or give thanks to him. When you read that often, have you think, wait, that's it? But what's so offensive to God is that people don't honor him or give thanks to him? It kind of feels like when you have a child, and somebody gives your child a treat, a cookie, and you say, hey, say thank you. And they refuse to say thank you. That the friend or the adult that gave that treat would be so offended that didn't show honor or thanks. It almost feels like God is upset and he wants to pour his wrath out because of bad manners, because of not giving thanks and not showing Honor. Is that what's taking place? Is that what is being said about what, what compels God's wrath? No. Tim Keller speaks about, the, the pastor and theologian, speaks about how what's actually taking place here is cosmic plagiarism. Cosmic plagiarism. See, plagiarism, right, is when you take somebody else's ideas, you take credit for what someone else has done, and you make it your own. You don't show any credit. You don't show any honor. You act as if you are completely self-sufficient. You are dependent on no one, and everything is a creation of your own mind and your own imagination and your own intellect. And when we discover that people are plagiarizing, we severely punish them because we recognize that that is wrong. This is cosmic plagiarism. See, it is to say that I write my own rules. I am the God of my own life. I determine what is right and wrong. I am sufficient. I'm dependent upon nobody. When you suppress the truth, you create your own truth. And the creation of your own truth at the exclusion of God who made you and created you with all the talents and the minds and all the opportunity, everything in your life he has given to you as a blessing, as an opportunity and instead you suppress the truth. You say, I don't, I don't, I'm not dependent upon nobody. I'm subjected to no authority. I'm completely self-sufficient. It's cosmic plagiarism. And the truth is if we're honest, There is an attraction to believe like this. There's an attraction to seeing yourself as self-sufficient and not dependent upon anyone and not being subjected to any authority. Why? Because we want the praise. We want the power to determine the rules. We even want our surrender and our sacrifice to be of our choosing when it will benefit us. Because we want to be in control. We as human beings love to be in control. You go back to those analogies I use about the suppression of the truth, or those examples. Suppression of the truth. See, to surrender that there was a creator means that you're not in control. Because many don't want to give away control, they believe illusions. About how we got here. Every other faith in the world. Keeps you in the driver's seat. Some of the major faiths. Follow the eightfold path. Surrender and and follow these five pillars. Uphold this law. Listen to this tarot card reading. And if you do these things. And you make the right decision. And you follow your religion rightly. You are on the right path to please your God. Or whatever divine being you believe in you are in control of your life you are in the driver's seat of your spirituality it's attractive but it's a suppression of the truth and here's the thing this happens in the church too it happens in the church too many in the church will opt for a god of love the spirit of love that doesn't impose anything on anyone doesn't impose any truth or any law on anyone, but wants everyone to be who they want to be. It's a suppression of truth. Others in the church opt for a God of absolute moral law. And you are to obey and to refrain and you are to improve. That the goal of your faith and of your life is to prove your faith genuine. So that you might please God and others. It's a suppression of truth. You see, God is love. But love without the backbone of truth is cheap love. And God has an absolute standard. God has a law by which his people and his creation are to surrender to. But the law applied without love is just harsh. God is love and He is law. He is both. And what we see here, the Apostle Paul is saying, is that when the law of God is broken, because of a suppression of the truth, that God's wrath must be poured out upon ungodliness. But what we also see is that God's love provided a way Through surrender. God's wrath must be poured out because God's law has been broken. And the truth has been suppressed and God has not been honored. We've plagiarized. But God's love provided a way through surrender. Through recognizing that we are not in control. Now listen, most people believe in God. Most people in the world believe in God. But they don't want to believe in this god they don't want to believe in a god of the bible who tells you that you are not in control that you've broken his law but there's a way out through surrender because we want to stay in the driver's seat of our life we suppress the truth and hold it down and we distort the truth that is within us fail to give god the honor and praise he is due There's something else that we do. In fact, the suppression of truth leads us to the second reality inside every human heart. And that is that we manufacture idols. We manufacture idols. Look at verse 25. Because they exchanged the truth of God, truth about God, for a lie, and worshipped and served the creature rather than... The creator. Verse 24 says that God gives us up to our desires. Because we have worshipped and served the creature. Some translations say the created things. Rather than the creator. See there's only two options in life. Serve the creator or serve creature. You only have two options. Everyone serves something. It's inescapable. There is some authority that you serve. There is something that captivates your imagination, that creates the purpose for living, and you worship that thing, and you serve that thing. It's either God, or it is something else, or someone else. Everyone serves something. I was reading this this week, and I immediately thought of Harry Potter. I've been reading Harry Potter My son, we're in the third book, Prisoner of Azkaban, exciting. And I immediately thought of Harry Potter because the way that his character is written is all about what is driving him, what his purpose for life is, what he serves, and that is to figure out who he is. Why was he spared? When Voldemort came and attacked his family and his parents didn't survive, why is he the boy who lived? That's in fact how he's known. The description over his entire life is that he is the boy who lived. And each book and each chapter is developing his discovery of who he is his purpose is to find out who he is he worships and serves that and every one of us has a description over our lives it is either we serve the creator and our identity is found there or the created things or the creature whatever you serve Whatever you chase after, whatever drives you, is an idol. And many of these things were formed in us from a young age. These descriptions over our life that, from which we manufacture idols. Some of us had experiences when we were young and circumstances that we went through that defined our future. Many of us have been through past trauma. And so the description over our life is to to try to heal and move past that trauma. It defines everything. Some of us had expectations placed upon us, even at a young age, that we're still trying to live up to today. Many of us missed out on something. There was something lacking in our life. And now our purpose is to fill our lives with that thing that we missed out on when we were children. Even from a young age, there are things placed upon us, these descriptions that guide us, that drive us, that become our purpose, and from which we manufacture idols. We think things like this. If I have this, then my life will have meaning. If I have reached here, then I'm somebody. If I become this person, then everything I went through was worth it. See, whatever drives you is what you worship. And that's a natural response to suppressing the truth. When you suppress the truth, you make yourself the center of your own life. And from that place, worshiping yourself and worshiping others and other created things, you manufacture these idols from those descriptions in your life. And they drive you and they move you and they compel your heart Chase after the created things or the creature. This is what it means to exchange the truth of God for a lie. To exchange the truth of God for a lie. To live with these descriptions. To chase after those descriptions as if if you achieve whatever that is, you'll have meaning. The manufacturing of these idols in your life is exchanging the truth of God for a lie. And an idol is any ultimate thing. It is any ultimate thing that controls your heart and is what you worship. What you worship and what controls your heart identifies what your idol is. The Apostle Paul speaks about one of them here in verse 24. He speaks about impurity and the dishonoring of their bodies. He's speaking about an idol of sexual immorality. That you can make an idol out of sex or out of romance. But there's many idols. And across the landscape of the New Testament, we read about other idols. The Apostle Paul writes in the letter to the church in in Colossians. In chapter 3, he says that you can have idols of greed and materialism. Then he writes to the Galatians. And he says in chapter 4, in the book of Galatians, that you can have an idol of religion he writes to jewish christians who believe in christ but yet they want to go back and they want to tell everyone including themselves that they have to uphold all of the mosaic law they make an idol out of religion and out of moralism you can make an idol out of your own goodness the apostle paul says you see idols come in all shapes and sizes anything that is placed in the ultimate seat of your heart, above God, that drives you, that is your purpose for living, that compels your heart, is an idol. You have exchanged the truth of God for a lie, probably because you've been suppressing the truth too. It's led you to this place in this moment. And some some idols are obvious, and some are hidden, because they come in all shapes and sizes. Here's an example. Very common spoken about idol is the idol of money. But that can be obvious, or it can be hidden. You can meet someone that is incredibly wealthy, but you'd never know it. You've met them before, right? Someone who has immense wealth, but they wear the same t-shirt every day. They don't drive a fancy car. They don't live in in a fancy house. They don't boast about what car they drive, or vacations they take, you would never know it. But maybe with that same person, you peer into their life a little bit. And you see that they don't flaunt their wealth. But they also don't give it away either. They're not generous. They keep it. They save it. Why? Because the idol of money leads to an even deeper idol that's more hidden, which is an idol of control. They feel secure because they have money. They feel safe because they have money. Hidden deep down. You may meet the exact opposite person. Somebody that flaunts wealth. Whether they have it or not. It could be credit card debt or they could have a lot of money. But they wear really nice clothes. They're trying to drive a nice car. They're, they're taking pictures of these elaborate vacations. They're a great follow on Instagram. Because they're eating at the nicest restaurants, doing incredible things. And you say, that person has an idol of money. But there's a hidden idol probably below that. If you dig deep down, there's an idol of approval. I want to feel accepted. I want to feel approved. See, we all have idols. Some are obvious. Some are hidden. And there's a vital question that you must ask yourself. What are my idols? Because we manufacture idols. That is true of the human heart. You must ask yourself, what are my idols? John Calvin, the reformer, says that our hearts are an idol factory. Our hearts are an idol factory. We must identify them because we serve them. That's what verse 25 says. That we worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator. And see, all of this comes from verse 24. When we suppress the truth, we begin to manufacture idols fashioned around what? Our desires. Verse 24 reads this Therefore, God gave them up in the lust of their hearts. That word lust there is the word epithemia in Greek. It's translated here as lust, but a better translation is epidesire, meaning. The strongest desires. God gave them up to their strongest desires. To the epicenter desires of their hearts. Epicenter desires. This is from where our idols are formed. Those epicenter desires within us. Where our identity is attached. Those things that are exhausting for us when they're not quenched, those things that produce anxiety within us because they haven't been fulfilled. So I've heard before that anxiety is idolatry mapped to the future. Idolatry or anxiety is idolatry mapped onto the future. It is those epicenter desires that you have to have fulfilled. If they're not fulfilled, you don't feel like you've had a successful or good or satisfying life. And so they're mapped onto the future. And you're anxious because you're fearful that they may not be fulfilled. There's an idol there. Guilt is idolatry mapped into the past. There's an epicenter desire that has been distorted, has been harmed, Something has affected, whether through your choice or something else that has happened to you, and it's produced in you guilt because now you don't feel whole because of what has taken place in your past. There's an idol there. Anger is idolatry mapped into the present. It is idolatry mapped into? The present, that there is an epicenter desire in your life that is not tracking and is not progressing in the way that you want. And so you are getting bitter and you are getting angry with God, with other people. There's an idol there. See, idolatry is vicious. It's vicious. And if you don't see idols in your life, you are living in denial. You're living in denial. Look at verse 21. For although they knew God, they did not honor him. Or give thanks to him. But they became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened. See, our natural tendency, the tendency of our heart and our human nature is to suppress the truth. Is to manufacture idols. We begin to think in a very futile way. And our hearts become darkened. And if you don't recognize some idols within your life, you are, in fact, suppressing the truth. Your heart is becoming darkened. You're addicted to your idols. You see, addicts don't recognize their addiction until either it's too late or there's an intervention. What do addicts do? They justify their behavior. They live in denial. They ignore all of the times that they suppress the truth that led them to this place of addiction. may be doing the same if you don't see idols within your own heart, obvious ones and hidden ones, living in denial, suppressing the truth, justifying behavior. The worst thing that you can do for for an addict is to give them over to their addiction, to give them over to their addiction. Oscar Wilde, the Irish poet, says, when the gods wish to punish us, they answer our prayers. When the gods wish to punish us, they answer our prayers. This is taken out of Romans 1. It has to be. Look what it says in verse 24 again. Therefore, God gave them up. In the epithemia. God gave them up to the epicenter desires of their hearts. To the strongest desires of their hearts. Hearts. See, this is God's wrath. God's wrath is giving you what you want. You don't want God? You don't want to follow God's ways? You don't want to see God's truth? You want to suppress it? God gives you up to that desire. Those strongest desires. And this is the worst possible punishment. It's why it is in fact wrath. Because it's destructive. It robs you of peace and joy. It creates a, a living hell. But God intervened. He is a God of law, but of love. But God intervened. That's what this entire letter is about. The intervention of God. We will develop that all through the summer. But Romans chapter 8 says this. It says that God Gave him, who is Jesus, over to death for us. God gave Jesus over to death for us. What does that mean? How did God intervene? He gave Jesus over to the cross so that you and me would not remain given over to our epicenter desires that will destroy us. He intervened. God gave Jesus over for us so that we would not remain Given over to those epicenter desires, that need for control, the suppression of the truth, the manufacturing of these idols that will, in fact, rob us of joy and destroy us. And see, to see that is freeing. And as I've been saying this entire time, how do you see that? How do you see that you've been suppressing the truth, that you've been manufacturing idols? The God who is within you crying out, you surrender. You say, God, I'm not in control, and you surrender in faith. Recognize that God himself is the authority. Say, God, I don't want you to give me over to my desires. (laughs) That's the worst punishment. I know that you have intervened, that you surrender your lies and seek the truth of God, that Christ was given over for you so that you might not be given over to wrath. You see, when you surrender in faith, it reveals to you the weapon that you are to wield to fight the idols in your heart. Because when you surrender to God in faith, when you surrender to Jesus and his death for you and his resurrection, it doesn't mean that your idols go away. It doesn't mean that your tendency to want to suppress the truth goes away. It means that now you see the truth You see your idols, but you still have to fight them. You still have to battle them. How do you fight your idols? Praise. See, why was God so offended? Because we don't give honor, we don't give praise to the one who alone is worthy. We don't recognize who God is and what he's done. We don't surrender our lives to him. And so how do you fight the idols within your heart? How do you fight the tendency And the attraction even even to suppress the truth. Praise. Praise God for who he is. Praise God for what he's done. Praise God for his mercy and his grace and his love. You praise. See, praise is a weapon that fights the idols of anxiety and guilt and anger and approval and acceptance It fights them. Why? Because praise reorients your heart back to God. It takes the cover that is so easily placed, takes it off, shows you what is true, who is true, who God is, and what He's done. It reorients your heart back to God. Chance the Rapper says when the praises go up, the blessings come down. And that's true, church. When your praises go up, the blessings come down. Your heart is reoriented back to who God is and what he's done. Truth is no longer suppressed. It is revealed. Your idols are even revealed to you so that you might fight them with praise. That is how we fight a battle against our idols, through praise. That is what brings the deepest joy and peace to our hearts. It should, in fact, be the purpose by which we live, which is to praise our God. I pray that you take the cover off, that you praise God for who He is and what He's done. You surrender to Him. Fight your battles. through praise. Will you pray with me? God, we praise you for who you are and what you've done. We thank you that you intervened, that you love us, God, we are breakers of your law. We want to be in control. We've committed cosmic plagiarism. We love the idea of being self-sufficient. We love the praise of others. Our hearts are idol factories. I pray that right now, you would reveal to us the truth of who you are that we would not suppress the truth, that we would praise you, God. Reveal those I- those idols in our heart, obvious and hidden, so that we might fight them. Because they will not promise what they claim. Only you provide complete joy and peace. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.